This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. I'm excited today to be sharing Corey Stern with you all. Corey is a learning specialist and behavior analyst with a master's in child study and education with over 15 years of clinical experience. Her current work focuses on coaching parents through the different ages and stages of development so they can parent with less day-to-day stress and overwhelm. She is a mother of a five and seven-year-old, so she has plenty of firsthand experience at her fingertips. Today's episode is all about a much-requested topic, kindergarten readiness. Before we all dig for our tissues and start crying about the idea of sending our little ones away, whether it's to preschool or kindergarten, this transition doesn't have to be as hard as we anticipate. Corey has some great resources and information to share with us to help make this transition easier. Today, we'll be discussing readiness, preparing for kindergarten, managing the transition with an anxious child, and how to handle our own anxiety as well. I remember the first day that I sent my first oldest son off to kindergarten. He wanted to take the bus and he climbed on, off he went, and my husband and I drove behind the bus to the school to wave him into his classroom because we just couldn't believe we were sending our little baby off into the world. But these transitions don't always have to be negative. We have a lot of fears and anxieties that come up about them, but they've all, in my case, turned out to be such positive experiences for our family. So we're going to hash it out today. We're going to talk about all of the different pieces to make this as smooth of a transition as possible. And of course, you're going to have some of those nerves and first day jitters. Both of you will, both you and your preschooler or kindergartner, but we'll have the effective tools to be able to manage them. Grab your earbuds, pop them in, lace up those shoes, strap your kiddo in the stroller, whatever it is we're up to together today. Let's hear the chat with Corey. Before diving in, let's hear our iTunes review of the week. This review comes from KH36642, and it is titled, Made Me Feel Welcome. In the early days of my postpartum journey, I turned to podcasts to try and find a sense of community in motherhood, especially while in lockdown. I was struggling with postpartum depression and anxiety and felt so alone. When I found the Happy as a Mother podcast, I found comfort in every week's episode, even though my son was still so little and some of the episodes didn't apply to us. I feel more prepared to handle things as they come up and as he grows. Thank you, Erica, for making your podcast a safe and welcoming space for mothers who need it. This is my favorite part of the week every week. Oh my goodness, I get goosies every time I read these reviews. Thank you so much for taking the time to share this experience with me. And that's one of the great things about listening. You get to be exposed to professionals that address childhood and your child's development at all stages. And instead of learning on the job in the moment, like so many of us do when we're in those early postpartum days, My goal here is to prepare you and equip you with an understanding of yourself and your child even before stepping into those situations. Sometimes we do some of our best learning out of the moment as well. So I'm so glad that you look forward to our Wednesdays together 
or whatever days you guys get around to listening. And I appreciate you spending your time here with me each week. Let's hear my conversation with Corey. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Corey, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and such a timely topic. I can't wait to jump into kindergarten readiness. I've got a kindergartner starting in the fall. So thank you in in the middle of your summer and momming and everything, taking the time to be here with us. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. How did you come to blend your services of behavior services and school education support? Like, How did you find your way into a specialty like that? So that's a great, great question. I've always loved working with children. I've always loved education. I studied education. I have my master's in child study and education. So after my undergrad, I went on to study education and I loved it, loved it, but I never connected with the role of being a classroom teacher. Mm. It just was never for me. I always wanted to do something a little more, I guess, specialized would be the case. I loved working with kids with different learning needs And I was introduced very early on in my career to an amazing opportunity working with kids with developmental disabilities, primarily autism, taking more of like a therapeutic approach to education where, um, you know, these families would come and work through academic based programming that was founded on the philosophies of applied behavior analysis. So I kind of fell in love with it. Mm. (laughs) And from there went on to pursue all these designations to become a board certified behavior analyst. So over the years, I've been able to fuse my backgrounds in education and applied behavior analysis together to bring parents a very, very unique approach to child development and how they can optimize that at home and school Mm -hmm. to really, really support their families. Yeah. And when I came across you on, I know you're Mm Toronto-based, I'm in Durham, so we're like a stone's throw away from each other, but I've actually followed you, I think, on Instagram for probably a year, so I'm not even sure how I originally stumbled upon your page. And so when thinking about kindergarten readiness and the time of year that we're in and emerging out of a pandemic, you know, so many factors here, I thought that you would be such a great fit to have this conversation with. I've got a little, I say little, you know, he's going to school in the fall, he's going into JK, he's four, coming out of this pandemic. And I guess I say that because it's an added level of maybe feeling like our kids are underprepared because they've lacked maybe some of the social interactions or things that we would have been doing leading up to kindergarten, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes. I think, you know, so many parents that I speak to 
are feeling the exact same way you're feeling. So I will just say I also have a kid in kindergarten. Yeah. He's going into um, what we call here in Toronto senior kindergarten, which is a second year of kindergarten. It's just how our system is structured here in Ontario. We have two years of kindergarten. I know a lot of states in the U.S. do one year of kindergarten, but here we have two years. So he's going into his second year of kindergarten. And um, I still feel like I'm going through the exact same thing you're feeling. Right. Because last year was such... Uh, a a disaster (laughs) oh like I don't know what I'm allowed to say or not allowed to say here but it was just it was it was it was really unfortunate it was a really really unfortunate year so even though we're doing this the second time around I do feel like I'm going into this for the first time around as well because last year was a complete write-off yeah so you know a lot of parents I speak to are feeling this this lack of preparedness given the past year and a half of kids being home and isolated and all the restrictions. And I think the good news about all of this is all of our kids are walking in from the same kind of starting point, right? So yeah, it's so true. Yeah. When you talk about like different years of kindergarten, this is a little bit from my own understanding here. I know that my son is four and he's starting. Mm -hmm. And I think that in like Arizona where my partner psyched mommy is living her child is four and he doesn't start until five years old so kindergarten readiness is like we can talk about the ages and and some of the key indicators but it sounds like they're gonna start at different ages depending on where you're located is that accurate yeah depending on where you're located kids will be starting at different ages i know here in ontario kids start the year that they are turning four years old. So we actually have kids here in Ontario who start kindergarten when they're three, Mm. right? And I know in the US, because I have a lot of clients in the US and friends out there, they'll do like a pre-kindergarten year when they're four, and then they'll start the following year. So when we're starting SK, senior kindergarten here in Ontario, yeah, a lot of people in the US are starting, they have one year of kindergarten and they'll start their first year there. So when we talk about kindergarten readiness, mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a range of ages that I'm speaking to. And this is the ages of three to five years old. Okay. Because kids do start at different ages. And it's okay because when we look at that developmental stage of the three to five-year-old, there's so much commonality between those ages that we have to kind of think of this as a range versus like a finite age of when we're preparing them and starting them and and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. This is going to be a really interesting conversation because I feel like I have maybe markers in my own mind for kindergarten readiness for my kids and I see their different temperaments. Mm -hmm. But then I'm also, as I'm thinking about that, if we feel like we're not ready, what are our options? And we'll get there at the end, right? Like if we feel like, you know, our child isn't meeting some of these readiness indicators, what do we do then, right? And we'll get there later on in the interview and in the episode. Okay, great. So... Let's go through some of the markers. Like, how would I know if my child is showing signs of readiness for kindergarten? Like, my four-year-old is approaching JK in the fall. And what are some of the indicators that I'm looking for that he's ready for that transition? So that's a great question. So one thing that's really big for kids that start kindergarten, whether they're starting at three, four, or five, is being independent, okay? Independence is huge. Now, we don't need them to go to school and be completely independent, but we need to know that there is a level of independence that they can hold on to 
when it comes to things like eating, Mm -hmm. taking care of their own food, right? Like they are unpacking and repacking their lunch bags in their containers here in Ontario and Toronto, getting their jacket on and off and switching from indoor shoes to outdoor shoes. Mm -hmm. They have to learn to take care of their belongings. They have to show a sense of responsibility. And again, it doesn't have to be like 100%, but there have to be signs of that. Right. Play. Play is a big one here. And again, I'm going to speak specifically to the curriculum that we follow here. I know it's very similar in the States, but kindergarten is very much a play-based curriculum. So play skills, right? Right. What do their play skills look like? Mm -hmm. Can they engage in parallel play? Which means when you put two kids beside each other, will they play independently of one another, but, you know, play alongside another? Can they play interactively Mm -hmm. with another child? Can they play cooperatively? Are they able to share? And again, these things don't need to be 100%, but they need to be things that are emerging within our children's skill sets. So I think independence and skills around independence and skills around play are huge, huge, huge indicators of school readiness. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about kindergarten, there is a lot of prep we need to do ahead of time. But the beautiful thing is, is kids are coming in at all different stages in terms of readiness. Right. And there's so much skill development that happens in kindergarten. It's actually amazing. To me, it's like magical to watch happen. And I've seen it with my daughter. I have a seven-year-old now. She just finished grade one. Yeah. And I've even seen it with my son for the few weeks he was in school here and there last year. But yeah. it's it's incredible to watch. Like your baby that you're dropping off at kindergarten for the first time here in September in Toronto you're going to see immense growth within like a few months of your child being in school because within the school day in a kindergarten classroom, they are learning by the minute. Yeah. Like there is so much learning. And I'm not just talking about the ABCs and the one, two, threes, because for me, that falls to the bottom of my priority list in kindergarten. Yeah. That stuff they're going to learn. They're going to learn it, but just their communication and their independence. And it's unbelievable to watch their inquiry, their inquisitive, inquisitivity. <laughs> I can't, you can't say it. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. amazing. And how they do become more independent and how they start making friends and they start coming home and talking about their friends. So, you know, these are all really, really big, exciting things. Yeah. And they build so much confidence. Confidence and, and self-esteem and just, you yeah. know, a sense of ownership of, you know, this is my classroom and this is my school and this is, these are the routines and this is my teacher and it's so empowering for them to join this community and become part of a community that is their own independent of the family unit. It's huge. Mm-hmm. I remember when I, this was probably more related to daycare transition when I was like on maternity leave and I had the kids at home because I went back to work after Matt leaves. Some moms stay at home until their kids enter school and are stay at home moms. So that transition may not happen until school age. Mm-hmm. But I remember dropping my children off at daycare and thinking like, oh my gosh, now they have this world outside of the home, you know, and it was kind of like a bit of a shock to the system because it was just different. And I think that there are a lot of moms and parents as they're approaching this school year that are probably wrestling with a lot of their own anxiety because their child has probably been home in their care for a really long time or 
in the pandemic, you know, that much more so been scaled back. Mm -hmm. And I've been hearing from a lot of parents about how their child's anxiety or separation anxiety, particularly Mm -hmm. has ramped up as a result of the pandemic, right? So when I think about kindergarten readiness, I really think about those kiddos who struggle with separation. Is that something that you see with clients a lot, separation anxiety? All the time. All the time. It's a really, really big one. And this year, yeah, more than ever, because a lot of kids have literally not left their parents' side for a year and a half. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hearing it from a lot of clients. Um, I have, I mean, as you know, I every year host a kindergarten prep course. So this year I added on, (laughs) I actually added on, I invited all the members that joined the live event, which is now accessible for parents to purchase and participate in online. But I I started like a, a small group of participants and parents who have kids going into kindergarten just to solely work through this kind of stuff. Yeah. Because we meet every other week and it's huge. Like it's a really, really, it's a big one. And I talk a lot about it in my program, in my kindergarten prep course too, because it's so hard for parents to watch their children have a hard time letting go. And it's also very hard for a lot of parents yeah. to let yeah. go. You know, it can be a very scary feeling to hand over your child's primary care to a teacher and to a school. Yeah. And what's even more scary is that within this climate, and I'll speak to what I know here in Toronto, parents are not allowed in the school right now. They weren't when in the past year, and I don't think they're going to yeah. be in this following year. We're still waiting for the announcement of what school is going to look like here. But I think it's safe to say for public health measures, parents will not be allowed in the classrooms or even past the entry point of where they're dropping their kids off. So it's actually really scary for a lot of parents to detach from their child and send them off to a teacher into a building that you have no tangible anchor into. You don't know what it looks like. You don't know what it feels Mm -hmm. like. You don't know what it smells like. You don't know where your kid's going to be sitting or their cubby. Like there's a lot of unknown, which can be very, very, very uncomfortable for a lot of parents. I still say to this day, it is so weird that last year I did not see the inside of my kids' class. And my kids were daycare kids. They did daycare from 18 months right up until four, until they started school. And I was in and out of those daycare classrooms twice a day, every day. Dropping off, picking up, speaking to the teacher. The climate is so different now. You can't do that nowadays. So kind of sending them off to the unknown, especially for the first time, I get that. That can be very, very scary. That's a very hard thing to do, <laughs> especially if you have a kiddo who's feeling anxious yeah. too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think about the first time with my oldest starting, he's going to grade one. Yeah, We got to go to orientation, meet his teachers, exactly. tour the class, see where his cubby would be, like all of this stuff. And then my JKer who's starting in the fall has never been in the school. That's right. The orientation was like done online and it was mostly just for parents. And he knows of the school because he's been there to get his brother, but like he's never been inside, you know? So it's definitely a different transition this year. And one of the things that I try to work with clients on, like, so moms who are like, 
you know, particularly anxious about their kids going is a kid's anxiety about this transition isn't necessarily an indicator that they're not ready. Does that make sense? Yes. And you are so right about that. Because I think that if you have a very maybe highly sensitive child or you have a child who struggles with separation anxiety, maybe you seek out like parent coaching or therapy. There's lots of play therapists and children's therapists who can build up skills to manage anxiety. But I think that one of the knee-jerk reactions we have as parents is when our child displays anxiety over something, we want to shield and protect them and we want to remove them from the situation, right? We don't want to put them in a situation that causes them stress or anxiety, which makes sense. It's protective of us. Mm -hmm. But what we know as therapists and as, you know, clinicians is that the more we avoid something, the scarier it becomes. And so if we're not actually empowering our children with the skills to make a transition happen in a healthy way, then they're actually going to fear it even more the next time around, right? You are so right about that. And I also think it's really important. So yes to all of that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I think it's also so important for parents to be aware of this notion that they might have fears and anxiety anxieties around their children starting school. Yeah. And we don't want to impose that onto our children if our children aren't showing any signs of that. Right. Right. Because that I think is also a very challenging thing for parents to do, especially given the climate, because there's so many health and safety concerns to kind of think about on top of (laughs) the the regular sending them off to kindergarten separating. I see that a lot with parents, actually. So how this plays out often is something along the lines of, I've been home with my child, you know, and it's about the story we tell ourselves, okay? And the story often sounds something like this. I've been home with my child. They've only been with me. And now I'm going to go drop them off and like abandon them and leave them with these strangers. And they're going to think that like I've just left them. And how could I do that? And the story we tell ourselves or the meaning we put to that story is like our child is going to feel abandoned. They're going to feel like we don't love them or like putting them in harm's way. But that's actually just meaning that we're attributing to the situation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If we rewrite that narrative or if we talk it through differently, our child might see that as, oh my gosh, this feels like we're going to like the best play date ever. Like who knows how their eyes are seeing it? Our eyes might be perceiving it as like an abandonment or like, you know, through the lens of fear. Mm-hmm. And they may be thinking this is going to be a cool adventure. Like, look at all these little people. I haven't seen little people in a really long time, right? <laughs> like, So I think that that's such a key piece that you're highlighting is, yeah. are we attributing our meaning to the situation, right? Yeah. And you know, it's something, one of the strategies I give parents in my kindergarten prep program is... You have to create, you do have to create a narrative around this. You have to build predictability for your child around this transition yeah. they need to know what to expect. You can't just, you know, a few days before school be like, oh, school's starting in three days. Let's pick our backpack and off we go. No, kids need, they need a runway here. You need to create a narrative. You got to set them up for success and you want to. You want to absolutely create a narrative that is positive and feels good yeah. because they'll internalize that. They will internalize that. And we want to keep coming back to it, even in the hard moments, the tricky moments, the stressful moments. We want to have that as our foundation, yeah, right? So it's, you know, 
part of the prep I do with my families, I mean, I have a whole prep plan that I follow that I created years ago when my daughter was starting kindergarten. And I, I felt the school had done such an inadequate job of prepping us for what was to come. And this was pre-COVID. This was, you know, just in when things were kind of operating as what we once would call, once would have called normal times. Um, right. You know, I found the school had done such an inadequate job with this welcome to kindergarten night and prep. And I just took it into my own hands. Yeah. <laughs> that was me like being proactive to create a prep plan for my daughter. So I knew that I was doing everything I could to create a structure around the transition and build a lot of predictability for her. So that on that first day when she showed up to school, like, sure, we were all going to have the butterflies in the the tummy because it was a first for all of us. But at least we had a narrative to work with. And at least we knew kind of, you know, there was some expectations that we had already put in place that we could kind of look to and just help. You know, I always say, like, it's never going to be perfect. But you can always do things to reduce the intensity of the stress or the level of stress or the amount of stress. Because, I mean, first day jitters or starting school jitters, like those will be there. I think everyone will experience them on some Mm -hmm. level. It's just at what intensity and for how long do those jitters kind of sustain or, you know, these insecurities or these anxieties or these however you want to put it. So the idea of prepping your child ahead of time to give them the best shot at integrating seamlessly into this social learning environment Mm -hmm. to me is a no-brainer to me is non-negotiable because yeah it's already so new and so big and and it is it's big it's a big big milestone for Mm -hmm. any child starting school it's huge especially in their world right in their world in their tiny shoes like it's a big 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 thing Yeah. Well, transitions, I feel like generally speaking, some kids can ebb and flow and have more flex in their thinking with transitions, right? Like some kids can roll with a change in plans and can roll with a change up. Others really get sticky brain and have a hard time. Mm -hmm. And so transitions for some children can be really, really difficult transitions in routine, in environment, in, you know, people that were around in the day. So this whole idea of creating a narrative and predictability is really working to set children up for success who struggle with that transition, like helping them to feel prepared, helping them to have some certainty. And let's unpack some ways that we can do that. Cause like I have some ideas of things that I've done with my boys and things that I do with clients as well, where Mm -hmm. in COVID days, like, so before we could go and do an orientation and meet and, you know, do things like that. But nowadays It looks like for us taking pictures. So we have like a picture of like the kindergarten yard at school. We have a picture of the front door, a picture of a bus or whatever, and putting together a little storybook of, oh, look, you know, Gabriel's my middle son's name. Gabe goes to school, you know, and look at this is going to be the kindergarten yard and this is going to be the way we walk to school or whatever to start to lay the foundation for what to expect on those days right? Yes. So good. I mean, for me, visuals are always so powerful. 
they're so concrete. So anytime you can provide when you're prepping for any transition, something visual for your child to help support the transition. I think it's so good. So I love the idea of storybooks. That's one of my recommendations on my prep plan that I tell my families and my participants to work on. Go take pictures of the school. Nowadays, it's so easy to flip through the pictures on your phone. I love to create little storybooks for my kids. There's all these online apps nowadays where you can create like customized photo albums and you can add text to them. So I've done things like that before too. And my kids love that stuff. Kids love to look at pictures of either things that belong to them or or of them, you know, anything that has to do with them when, you know, in this ego state of development, they love videos of themselves. So even if the schools within your district are close to home and it's accessible and you drive by, walk by, whatever it is, and you take a video walking around the school perimeter. That's such a great thing. Kids love watching videos. I'm even telling families nowadays, like, take your child to the playground at at your school. Let them play on the playground. Make it familiar. There's something so powerful about visuals. Yeah, visuals and familiarizing them with the actual physical space. Because I know, like, for ourselves, like, when we show up to school on the first day of school... There's tons of parents and kids everywhere in the schoolyard looking for the door they're supposed to be at to line up to meet their teacher. I mean, here in Toronto, most of the kindergarten programs have their own fenced-in outdoor space with their own separate kindergarten doors, right? So there's just, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. So I would rather kids be exposed to the actual playground and school grounds before that first day when they show up, and it's quite overwhelming. And there's just a lot of people around. So I'm telling people to go play at the playground at school if you can access it. I'm telling parents to start doing drive-bys and walk-bys or scooter bike rides past the school. Yeah. So, you know, if when you pass by, oh, look, there's your big boy school. There's your big girl school. Can't wait for kindergarten. Whoa, what's that up ahead? Oh, yeah, that's my school, right? So yeah. we can start allowing the child to create dialogue around my school and that's my big boy or my big girl school and just starting to build it, build the idea of school into the routine, into the daily routine. These are all things we could do now, which seems, seems so like small, but I promise you will make a big difference to help ease in to this transition. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for, Well, for any child to have that like familiarity, but then also for those who are more timid and reserved or have a harder time separating, like providing them with some certainty or something like where they know a bit more what to expect can be really helpful just in making them feel more confident and empowered, right? That's it. Building expectations, setting expectations. It's so so, so important for our little guys mm-hmm. and for us too, I want to say, you know, like it's, it goes yeah. both ways. Yeah. And so there's other like practical things that we did to prep my oldest for going to school in terms of some of the skills, the readiness skills for them to have independently in the classroom. <laughs> so things that we'll be practicing this summer will be opening and closing lunch containers. <laughs> lunch I love boxes. that one. Go for a picnic. Go for a picnic. Right. Pack up lunch, pack up dinner and go have a picnic somewhere and let them practice using containers. That's a huge one. Yeah. Other ones like wiping bums and like, you know, taking care of our own like toileting. 
hygiene, which I know children are at different levels of independence with this. And I know that teachers are prepared to have some, Mm -hmm. you know, variations here, kid to kid or whatever. But we've been practicing a lot of bum wiping and, you know, doing these things independently, pants up and down, and we stay away from buttons and things like that so that they can easily get it in and out of the bathroom on their own, things like that. Yes, that's a big one. I'm telling all parents to do the hand washing test with their kids. Okay. <laughs> Which yeah. is, this is, this for me is a big one, just be, again, because of health and safety with everything going on. I think as parents, we are so quick especially when our kids are home with us to do things for them, help them wash their hands, get them dressed, put their food out for them, you know? So I, and yes, I I mean, I I think I'm guilty of this somewhat too, (laughs) which I'm learning. My kids are at camp right now. My son keeps coming home every day from camp with his like clothes on inside out from swimming and we (laughs) chuckle about it but I'm like dude come on like what what isn't clicking yet and I'm like oh yeah you've had a full year at home where like we pretty much did so much for you so but for me like it's the ultimate I call it the ultimate hand washing test because they are going to be washing their hands multiple 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 times a day at school not just for bathroom time but they will be washing their hands before and after eating they will be washing their hands in between activities if they're coming like from the gym to the classroom. There's lots of hand washing that goes on at school nowadays for very good reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to make sure that our kids are effective at this because we have a lot of three, four and five year olds where that, it's a hard skill. There's a lot of steps in the skill of hand washing. Right. And, and, you know, these little guys could be careless. Maybe they're not so in tune with like all the details. There's some kids that are very good at it. And some kids like my daughter is even at kindergarten. She was like so diligent and thorough. And my son is like, yeah, sprinkle some water on and call, call it a day. <laughs> well, it's right? funny. Like, it's one of those skills I never even really thought of because we do a lot of like baby wipes and sanitizer, right? Like we there were at Wonderland because it finally opened up. Oh my gosh. We're like having our revenge yes. summer right now where we're trying to like get a bunch of things in. Yeah. And yeah. so we do a lot of like baby wipes because we have a three-year-old as well still in diapers. So we do a lot of baby wipes and sanitizer. So yeah. practicing hand washing and and there's like a hand washing song and the whole bit is something that we haven't really practiced. So that's a great one. Hand washing is good. So what I'm telling parents to do, I, I always say to them like, yes, practice hand washing, hand washing, soap, get them to count to 10, 15, whatever they can sustain right. their attention for, rinse it off. But before you go to send them off to school to know how thorough and good they are at washing their hands, go do some painting with them. Let them get their hands all messy where they can actually like do hand painting, cover right. their hands in paint, washable paint, and turn the tap on for them and tell them to wash their hands and see how good they are at getting all the paint off their hands. <laughs> right. That's how you'll know how effective your child is at hand washing and how closely they're paying attention to all the different steps with hand washing. Because again, my daughter would sit there and make sure every little dot of paint got off her hands. My son couldn't care less. I feel like that's such a first child yeah, thing. Right? My <laughs> hands are still blue. I don't care. I'm going back to playing. Like that that's the situation here. That's funny. So I mean now he's gotten really, really good at it because we've spent a lot of time. I mean, they're washing their hands anytime they go outside and enter the house, right? So right. not to be like crazy about germs, but 
it is something they're going to be expected to do. Yeah. And you have to remember that in most cases, there's way more kids in the classroom than adults, depending on what the ratio mandate is in the classroom. So they have to be more independent than not. They will get the help they need, but it's just they'll be better off if they have a little more skill under their belt around these kinds of things. Just because mm-hmm. there's, there's usually, I mean, like in my son's class last year, there was 24 kids and two adults, right? And right. 24 right. kids all who are between the age of three and five. Like it's a, it's a lot of people that need a lot of <laughs> tiny hands that need to get washed. So, and their teachers are prepping and setting right. up. And, so yeah, we just, these kinds of skills are really, really important to focus on building. Yeah. And other ones that I think about are putting shoes, so transitioning into like indoor shoes to outdoor shoes, Mm -hmm. zipping up coats, Mm -hmm. ones to transition from indoor, outdoor transition, you know, from activity, like lunch activity back to putting stuff in backpack. These types of independent skills, as you were mentioning earlier, are great things to be practicing, right? They are. And you know what? What I'm telling parents right now is really where I want parents to put the majority of their time and energy Yes, independence, but for me, a big, big, big thing is the social piece Mm. because I think this is going to be the biggest kind of shift for a lot of kids as they enter into a social learning environment because it's something that they haven't had to participate in, practice practice much in a long Mm -hmm. time, right? So right now like taking your kid to the playground if you can enroll them in a summer camp program get them out of the house get them around other kids even if it's with cousins you know doing something interactive or cooperative play is involved where they have to share and take turns and listen to one another while they're playing like these are such important things and I'm even telling parents to go one step further if They don't know anyone in the kindergarten program that they're starting. They don't know any other families or they might know families in the school, but not know other people with kids their age. A lot of schools nowadays have some kind of online forum, whether it's like a Facebook group for the school or a Twitter account. And I'm encouraging parents to connect with other parents that way for playdates at the park or if if they have access to a backyard even a scooter ride or a bike ride or even just hang out outside on the sidewalk and play with bubbles, you know, like something just to connect with other parents and other kids that might be in the same class. So again, we're practicing Mm -hmm. social skills, but when you show up to school on the first, second, third day, there's a familiar face. We all, I mean, I want to, I'm going to overgeneralize this, but I will say there's so much comfort in showing up to a new environment when there's a familiar face or two yeah. versus not mm-hmm. knowing anyone and you just feel like you're swimming in a sea of people and you, you're you lost, right? And there's something comforting mm-hmm. about knowing someone who you can at least say hi to when you show up on day one, two, or three and connection. I mean, that's what it is. At the end of the day, we're all wired for connection. So it's just nice to feel some level of connection in such um, what can be such a like scary, overwhelming, anxiety ridden time, right? Connection helps to reduce all of that. Want to get smarter about your health, but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics 
But taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments, it's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready-to-eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. Well, I think about kindergarten readiness and often what comes to mind or often what I think comes to parents' minds is flashcards and ABCs and learning how to you know, going into school, knowing how to write your name and spell your name and mm-hmm. like a real mm-hmm. focus on the academic part of being ready. And what I'm hearing you say and what I think is so important is that social and connection piece and being ready and 
having your summer, like, wouldn't we all rather spend our summer socializing and preparing them like socially and emotionally versus staying at home, like going through like flashcards or, or prepping in this like more rigid academic way, right? Totally. Yeah. You know what? It's so interesting. So I have a kindergarten skills readiness checklist, Yeah. which um, I sent you guys the link so you can link it in the show notes for people to download. Of course. And I broke it down by skill development area. So there's like life skills, which is broken down into eating skills and dressing skills and hygiene skills and then play skills and language and communication skills. The academic portion is at the bottom of that list. <laughs> it's like, right, right. right. It's no joke. It's the last section because for me, preparing your child academically is the lowest of the lowest priority for starting kindergarten. Hmm. Why? Because they're going to school and they're going to learn all that stuff. Right. They don't need to know how to write their name when they start kindergarten. They don't need to know every single letter of the alphabet. They don't need to know how to read no, that is not the priority. Mm-hmm. That is, And when you look at the kindergarten curriculum, that is only a small piece of it. Yeah. So they're going to have all this opportunity in school to learn all this amazing stuff that is going to be taught by teachers who are education experts. So leave it to the experts right. to do their job and teach them the academics and allow yourself the room at home to take that off your plate because mm-hmm. we none of us need extra stuff on our plate take that off your plate and just play with your child let them play let them be social let them get outside and get dirty and explore and use their hands and run and jump and climb like I, again it sounds so silly but all that stuff i just said those are all really important things to build their skills for school their proprioception their balance all that motor skill development, they need that to navigate the playroom, uh, the playgrounds, yeah. to participate in their phys ed classes, to play, right? Like that's all important stuff that we don't always think about because it seems like so natural, right? Mm. But I mean, a part of my kindergarten prep program, I have 13 different experts in the 2021 program that focus on their area of expertise and how to build skills and prep your kid for kindergarten specific to their area. So I had two incredible pediatric physiotherapists who joined the program this year, and they just focus on physical literacy, like things you can do with your child over the summer to build their physical stamina to increase their balance, Mm. like something as simple as walking on the sidewalks and letting them like walk the curb. You know, something so simple, you don't think, you know, you don't think is like something that's actually like building skill, but that's huge. It's huge for their balance. Things like riding a bike or a scooter. They gave all kinds of creative solutions for families, regardless of whether you live in a house or an apartment or, you know, on a farm. There's things for all families, but there's Mm. all these other areas of development that as parents, we have to consider to prepping them like toileting is a huge one also mm-hmm. and I find it to be a very sensitive subject because I think it's very unfortunate that parents are put under so much pressure to toilet train their child for a school start there is no law I want to say mm. that kids need to be completely toilet trained to start school a lot of schools private public they do ask for it to be the case but a lot of the times there, there's inevitably always a really big group of kids who just physically, emotionally, mentally, they're not there, right? So 
I think there's a lot of pressure that comes in that mm-hmm. area where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm working with a lot of families now who are saying like, I have, I have six weeks left and we have to do this in six weeks and six weeks. And it creates so much pressure, which then hinders the process because we know that this doesn't work well under stress. Yeah. But unfortunately, we do have to pay attention to it to support our kids in getting toilet ready for school. So this is another big one. How are you building that into your mm-hmm. into your prep and what approach are you taking? Because we all know there are many different approaches to toilet training and different kids need different things, right? So this is, I know, another big one that a lot of parents are thinking about. Some mm-hmm. kids will not let go of their diapers. Some kids are withholding. There's performance anxiety around toileting. And some kids are just, they're just physically not ready like my daughter toilet trained at almost three my son literally did it a month before kindergarten started right so you have to really kind of hone into where your kid's at and not force something because you're being told it has to be done but more so work with where your child is at and build up a bit of a plan based on that, mm-hmm. because I think there is a lot of external pressure that parents feel mm-hmm. um, in terms of certain areas of readiness, which can feel really, really tricky. I don't know if I just went off on a tangent, but no. clearly I can talk about this all day long. So <laughs> my no, that's... Different directions. No, it's really helpful to know. And I guess for those who are listening and we've gone over some of the signs of readiness and some of the things we can be helping to do to prepare things that we can do to bridge the transition and maybe help with, you know, some of the anxiety that we might feel in anticipation of this transition. But what are some signs that our child is not ready? And what are our options then? You know, and this makes me think about, you know, families that I work with who their child is maybe on the spectrum or has some ADHD or various sort of things in the family that might make them question whether they're ready and what their options are? It's a great question. You know, it's so interesting. Like there are certainly families that question readiness when there is a lot of behaviors that happen at home, a lot of resistance to try new things, Mm. whether it's inside or outside of the home. I'm seeing a lot of kids now who are very fearful of actually leaving the house because of everything that's transpired over the past year and a half. So there are our school refusal kids who absolutely refuse to talk about it, think about it, leave the house. No, 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 I am not going. And there are a group of kids who fall under the school refusal. And we see that just in, you know, when daily life is impacted. Mm. So again, things like not leaving the house, not wanting to play with other kids. Maybe there are some sensory challenges that make it very difficult to participate in different activities. Transitions are very, very hard. Separating is extremely, extremely hard. These are all things that I've heard from families that definitely make them question whether or not their child is ready and able to participate in a kindergarten program. Mm. To answer the second question of what can we do about this, you know, you have to take this big idea of starting kindergarten And you got to break it down into very small bits and pieces and create a plan that is going to slowly, slowly build your child up to this transition. 
So I'll tell you, my ideal prep time for kindergarten isn't in August. It's in May. Every single May is when I host my kindergarten prep program mm. because I truly believe kids need a lot, a lot of opportunity to practice and build skills needed for kindergarten. I think parents need quite a bit of time, especially if it's your first child going into kindergarten, to wrap your head around this transition, to process it. What does it all mean? Okay, how am I going to do this? When I start prepping families in May, I give them a whole prep plan to follow. So they have to take that information and process it, Mm -hmm. figure out how it's going to fit into their daily lives. Then they have to implement it and they have to keep track of what they're doing. And then they have to keep building skill. And then we have to work up to that those two weeks before school starts. Like there are different phases in my opinion. So I think it always helps to take a bigger transition and break it down into small itty bitty pieces. Mm-hmm. And you know what? For some kids that might not, for whatever reason, be ready to start kindergarten. Like here in Toronto, in Ontario, kindergarten is a full day program. Yeah. So it, the kids are going for a full day. I know there's a lot of kindergarten programs that are half-day programs. It used to be half-day here a long, long, long time ago, but we actually moved to a full-day kindergarten program quite a few years ago, and some kids just might not be ready for a full-day. So perhaps families do a very gradual transition. It doesn't have to be an all-or-none start, you know, but that's something you would connect with your school about to Mm. work on a transition plan to build your child up. There's no question our children are going to need to build their social stamina this year. And not just social stamina, I want to say stamina overall, because a full day in kindergarten is a, it's a big day. It's a long day and a lot happens in that day that a lot of them haven't had exposure to. So it might have to be a more gradual start for families, you know, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, when we look at this transition and look at breaking it down, you have to focus on building a lot of predictability for your child a lot of validation around all the feelings and thoughts that are coming out because those are real and they belong to your child just as much as yours belong to you. And we need to honor them mm-hmm. and we need to listen. I've been talking to a lot of clients this week about listening. Like when your child says something to you, do not brush it off. Listen, because what they're saying has some level of validity right. and that's something that you need to work through with them. Don't just brush it off as, oh, they're just being cranky again. Oh, they're tired. No, listen. Listen to what they're saying, right? Because some kids can get quite vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And they might communicate and express themselves in ways that are maybe not so functional. It might come out as whining. It might come out as a full-blown meltdown. It It might come out in so many different ways other than, mommy, I feel nervous for kindergarten, right? So Right. Like, it might come out behaviorally. Yeah. So we need to play a bit of detective. Mm-hmm. And this is what I help my clients with, really understand why certain behaviors are happening so we can work through them and put a proper plan in place that's really going to get us to our goal of whatever we're working on. So if it feels hard, that's not a reflection of you haven't done enough or you're a bad parent or 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 whatever other thoughts are kind of you're conjuring in your mind around negativity. It just might mean your child is maybe not 100% ready and needs a little more time and a little more prep. And that's absolutely fine. Mm. Like there's nothing wrong with that, especially, especially for 
our three-year-olds mm-hmm. <laughs> who are starting kindergarten. Like they're so young still, right? Right. Um, here, you know, if your birthday's not till September, October, November, yeah. December, like you're starting kindergarten at three. So they're still little, little, little people with all kinds of big feelings and thoughts. And yeah. we have to nurture that. You know, at the end of the day, they, they need to understand that like we feel them, we hear them, we see them, we support them. And it's a team approach. We're going to do this together. You're safe. I promise you. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of like, it doesn't have to necessarily be all or nothing. If you've got a school or a team that you can work with that, you know, you can do a bit of a staggered entry or come up with a plan. Or if you have an IEP in place, depending on your child, an IEP being like an individual education plan or like supports going into school, depending on, you know, your child's needs and things like that. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. It's a we don't go or we go. Like it sounds like what I'm hearing is there are lots of things that can be done to support and ease through this transition that are not black and white, that are not like we're full day every day or we're not going at all, right? That's right. That's right. And you know what? What I also tell a lot of parents, if this is your first time going into the school system, private or public, is administrators, principals, vice principals, directors, they are back in their office at least a few days to a week to two weeks before school doors open. Mm -hmm. So as parents, if you have a child who in any which way struggles with transitions, has some kind of exceptional needs, and you haven't had an opportunity to communicate with the school about it, or something's come up during the summer and you're feeling nervous in in anticipation of what's going on, call the school. Mm. It is our job as parents to advocate for our children. Don't expect anyone is going to do it for you once your kid enters school. You need to advocate for your child and you need to develop a relationship with your principals, your teachers, the directors of education, whoever is in charge at your school. And work in partnership with them to support your child. Mm. The communication between yourself and school is so important. I can't stress it enough. Yeah. And I don't want parents to feel that they take a back seat in this process once school starts. Mm -hmm. So if for whatever reason you have any concern about your child starting school... Or if they do start school on a strong note and first and something happens and it becomes a, a challenge, right. communication is key. You need to connect with your school to work in partnership with them. And any good school will be open to that. Right. Would there be any situation that you would say that we would hold off starting JK or kindergarten or like wait to grade one to enter school? Like are there situations that come up like that with families you work with? Yes. I, you know, I think it's very circumstantial. I think it depends on the child family situation. Okay. I mean, there are some families that I work with that have children with some extreme developmental needs. Right. Whether it be autism or Down syndrome and perhaps 
starting school at this age and stage just isn't beneficial for their well-being and they would benefit more from like a full-time therapy schedule with the goal to be school integration over time. I see. Do you know yeah, what I so mean? it's a more intensive plan for readiness. Like exactly. it's like with the goal but they need more of a, a like readiness. long Yeah, that's yeah. right, like a readiness program. Um, yeah, you know, and so I, that's something we've worked with before. Um, there are some families who are dealing with some big time trauma Yeah, where emotionally and mentally, whether it's the recommendation of their doctor or psychologist, a child or the family might need a different kind of approach to a school start mm-hmm. where again, maybe they are working one-on-one with a teacher or a social worker or support worker at home and then integrate into a program. It just depends yeah. on the situation. And I think at the end of the day, you know, through all of this, parents need to trust their intuition. Yeah. Right. And for whatever reason, if you're unsure or you feel inside of you somewhere that your child isn't ready for whatever reason it is, speak to your doctor, start there. Yeah. Use your doctor as a launch pad. You speak to your doctor, you voice your concerns. I'm also more than happy to chat and connect with any parents at any time. Reach out to an expert who works in this area. There are some amazing education consultants out there who work on school placements and school readiness. There are some great psychologists and child and family therapists who focus on this. And lean in for the support. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through this alone. You don't have to do this alone. But trust your intuition. That's what I tell every single parent. Trust your gut. Go with your gut. I think that that's such a perfect place for us to leave it. In all of this, you know, you can do what you can to ensure that this is as smooth of a transition as possible. We're all going to have the nervousness. We're all going to have the butterflies. Transitions inherently, you know have some anxiety built into them, but we can do what we can and trust your intuition that if you feel that for some reason there are areas where your child is not ready, what can we do to get them ready, right? Like that becomes the goal. It's not like we don't want to default to like avoidance and just not, you know, like we want to pursue it and understand it so that we can get the goals or the professionals or whatever in place that we can work towards that readiness. So thank you so much, Corey, for taking the time to be here. Where can people find you online? I'm going to link all of your stuff in the show notes. I'm going to go print off your readiness list and start crossing off those things of <laughs> <at> practice <laughs> for the rest of our summer. But yeah, where are you hanging out online? Amazing. Where can people find you? Yeah, of course. So I have like the most supportive, amazing community group on Facebook. It's called Behave It or Not. So you can Mm. come over to Behave It or Not. It's a free group. Come and hang out. I'm always there sharing tips and tricks and resources. Um, I'm so lots of good stuff going on there. I also provide a lot of content on Instagram at Corey underscore Stern. That's C-O-R-I underscore Stern, S-T-E-R-N. So you can connect there. And for anyone listening, I mean, if you do follow along, send me a message and say hi, because I do love to personally connect one-on-one, even if it's just, hi, thank you for following along. It just helps me know who my audience is so I can make sure that I'm sharing the content that people need and want. So I really do value those interactions. So come say hi 
and um, the kindergarten skills readiness checklist, you guys will link it in the notes. So if anyone wants to go through that checklist, it's never too late to start prepping your child. So even if by the time this gets aired and it's a week before school, do not panic. Go through the checklist. Yeah. Pick just two or three things you can focus on just in that week. And like that in itself is awesome, right? Don't feel like you need to have yeah. that whole checklist checked off by day one of school. Like our kids are, they're not robots. Like they, these are things, yeah. skill development takes time. So it's okay if you haven't started your prep. I don't want you to start spiraling. Yeah. I want you to get the checklist, pick just a few things that you can focus on. And that in itself is good enough. If you feel like this is overwhelming and you don't know where to start, reach out to me. I will happily give you some advice and a starting point just so you feel like you have a bit of a structure around it. Mm -hmm. And if you really, really want to dive in, my 2021 kindergarten prep program is available. So you guys can link it in the show notes below. But whether you go to my Facebook group or Instagram, the link is there. So you guys can check it out. And if you have any questions, just let me know. It's loaded with it. There's 13 different experts who are involved in the program from toileting to packing lunches, to gross motor physical literacy, to mindfulness and managing anxiety around school for parents and kids. I mean, it's all there for you guys with my full transition plan to prep you guys. So you can access that online too. And this was awesome. Yeah, I love talking about kindergarten and all things kindergarten. So for me, this was like a real, real treat. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. I'm literally gonna go and download that checklist right now. I (laughs) encourage you all to do the same. And thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Erica. Take care and have a good summer and an amazing, strong, healthy and happy start to school, everyone. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description, or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job. Settling is not an option for Everything me. I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? <laughs> because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.